You're just gonna stay angry at God for the rest of your Whether it's popular or not, we're seeking out what pleases the Lord. Hi friends, welcome back to a brand new episode of the UPCU Later podcast and a surprise Friday episode. We got it together, y'all. We did it. We've got an episode. Um, so here's the deal. Two weeks ago, I had an incredible interview with a very dear friend of mine, and he was, you know, sharing his experience. And we tried to touch on purity culture, and it just felt forced because his story was so much bigger than purity culture. And it, I really, you know, I don't want to give it away, but I felt like we needed to wait. Um, and let his story be his story. We'll go through purity culture. We'll go through our interviews. Um, so thank you for my guests who have been so gracious in helping, you know, change schedules and be so, so flexible. I really, really appreciate it. Also, you know, when you try to change things, you throw a toddler in the mix who is sick and it just has been a week. So again, we did it. We're here. I'm super excited. Um, thank you to today's guest, Justin, for sharing your story with me and with all of us and for making the time to speak with me. And so we're going to get right to it. Again, thank you for being so patient with me. Let's go. All right, friends, we are back with our very first Purity Culture guest. Um, thank you for being here. And do you feel comfortable sharing your name with us? I do. Yeah, I'm Justin. All right, Justin. So give us the background about you. Were you a church kid growing up? Um, what organization were you a part of? Okay. Um, I was predominantly raised in the Assemblies of Jesus Christ, which is similar to the UPC, predominantly in the Southeast United States. And I was a part of that organization from a young uh, age, around three or four, until I moved to a different state and became more acquainted with the United Pentecostal Church. And from roughly the age of 18, 19, um, the rest of my adult life until I ultimately left, I was um, in the UPC. And you said there's a lot of similarities between the ALJC and the UPC, correct? Yeah, yeah, there's a lot. And there, there's some uh, big divergence as well. Um, like television was, was one of them. And, the ALJC uh, ministers could have televisions and things of that nature. And but the, where the similarities were, where uh, you could go to, say, one ALJC church and hear the primary dogma, but then you would have some churches would allow their members to go to, to movies, so long as they were not of a particular rating. And, whereas in the UPC, generally speaking, you weren't allowed to go to. There were some variations of, along different lines, but. Um, at the core, they were very, very similar. The church I was raised in, however, was on the more conservative end of the ALJC. Okay, so it's basically a lot of the similarities are within the doctrine itself of like salvation and things like that. Yeah, correct, correct. Yeah, they almost mirror one another uh, in that regard. Um, as far as the baptism of the Holy Spirit, repentance, the whole Acts 238 experience and so on. Okay. Um, did you have a preference of which one you enjoyed more? Um, not really. I mean, they, I guess going to a church where they don't preach against you watching television, um, is, is a bit easier than going to a church that preached. If you had a television, you were 
you were going to split hell wide open, of course. Um, so I would say <laughs> ALJC was uh, more comfortable. It was also where uh, all of my formative years were, were spent because I went to a school that the church had. So all of my friends were tied into that same community, that same church, same school. Uh, so it was real insulated that way. Um, so it, it felt more like home than the UBC did. I didn't feel uh, as much uh, of the political, not, not like socially, like the presidents and offices, uh, governors and that kind of voting situation, but like within the organization itself, because I was fairly young, I didn't any concept of, you know, this that minister said so they were going to vote against them in an upcoming superintendent election, none of that kind of stuff, where I did experience some of that in the Pentecostal church. Got it. And so, like you said, you spent your formative years surrounded by people who are of the same mindset, the same, you know, upbringing, things like that. Do you feel like that played a role in your purity culture experience since you weren't exposed to life outside of it, so to speak? Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I would say that the, the most of the life outside of the church that I was exposed to really were uh, like my neighbors. You know, they were they were uh, there were kids around my same age, you know, either a little younger. None of them were involved in, in church in general, but certainly not the church I went to. And we were able to play uh, basketball in the, in, on the courts together and do all the. Within the church, you didn't really hear about. You know, people outside the church having a lifestyle, like they didn't know what love is. They didn't know what um, faithfulness is. They didn't know uh, a lot of these key things that we were taught on a daily basis. And then once you see those individuals outside, you're like, we're not too dissimilar, but I certainly dress different. Um, so that was, uh, it was, it took some time to balance that out once I became aware of it. Prior to being aware of it, of course, you know, I was ignorant to <laughs> that we were yeah. that there was any difference uh between us but then once I, it became apparent to me it was it was a big difference it, and and it did sort of help me as i began to age within the aljc church i went to be a bit more balanced where i wasn't so you know, quite so um judgmental of other people and other belief systems as some of the people around me were because my close friends outside the church had nothing to do with those same pieces of dogma that I held uh, important. Absolutely. And so within the ALJC where you were, um, what were the rules when it came to dating since you were there until around 18 or 19? What was uh, the viewpoint on that? Uh, the, the particular church I went to, they, they really sort of put it in the parents' lap um, as far as what specifically was good for the individual. But from a corporate standpoint, they, they wanted you to, uh, wait till you were of an appropriate age to where you were more um, able to drive on your own, uh, maybe 16, 17, 18 through there, um, it, where it became sort of more um, uh, like a tight, but right kind of mindset about dating is if you had been a person that had been promiscuous in your younger ages in the, about that, and now you're involved in church and you're trying to sort of do right, quote unquote, do right. They may set more, you know, different parameters on that particular person than, than another, just because they were trying to, uh, you know, steer them in the right direction. But I would say on the whole, it was, it was you do the, the couple dating uh, scenarios. There's never an odd number, um, you know, it's two and two, or unless it's a, a larger 
group of uh, people that ended up being, you know, an extra person and like the, you know, nine or 11 group members, you know, uh, something like that. But they just said the typical, you know, don't do, don't go to movies on dates. Don't be alone in cars together, which I don't know how they expected you to go on a date. Um, <laughs> yeah. It'd meet, it'd meet another couple if you weren't alone in a, in a vehicle, but um, they, they really sort of let the, the parents kind of dictate it. But then just corporately from the pulpit just talked about, don't have sex. Don't do this. Don't don't hold hands <laughs> and don't get too close. And those types of things that really sort of were the beginning steps into preaching this this heavy purity culture kind of mindset into uh, into our lives, sort of indoctrinating us into into sort of believing that. Yeah. And did you feel like there was a lot of pressure put on you as a man and you know a young guy in this organization to? uphold these standards that they're giving you? Absolutely. Um, I, I am sort of a, a little different uh, kind of guy where I, I, my parents were not quite as conservative as the church we went to. So they allowed me a lot more flexibility than just the church did. And um, so I was a, a, a little different uh, or had the ability to be different, but because I wanted to be a part of the choir and be a part of the, like the core group that, of friends that I had at the church, I sort of inserted myself into this this group where I had to live at this higher standard, quote unquote, higher standard. So that meant, you know, be extra pure. Don't have impure thoughts. Don't certainly don't touch your body unless you're having this, you know, clean yourself in the shower. You know, uh, don't look at a, a woman lustfully, and of course, don't look at a man lustfully because that's the the pinnacle of of sin. They, they still spoke about like the women are a stumbling block. You can't. You can't look at him. You can't think about him. You can't do that. As opposed to just saying, hey, you have all of these natural feelings and this is a better way to deal with them as opposed to seeing um, sort of teaching that a woman is an object to look at or not look at, depending on if you're married or not. Um, it, it, they they sort of set us up to objectify women, whether they meant to or not. Um, that's how, That's kind of how it went. Because you can't look at them, you can't touch them, you can't get too close to them because you're going to ultimate uh, stumbling block for you, as opposed to just, hey, it's, these are natural feelings and here's a way to deal with them. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting to hear that because, you know, all of these talks that we had in youth group and things like that, the guys and girls primarily were split apart. Um, so, I, you know, I know that I mentioned that I had a, somebody on youth staff say, that, oh, my husband has to talk to these guys about what they're doing because of you. And I'm like, wow, you're really putting the blame on us. But it looks like it was going both ways, <laughs> that even in the guy session, it was, hey, these girls are, you know, no more than just a stumbling block. Um, yeah, that, that, was, is... that was true. Very, very true. Because there was there was no, uh, like, it, the, the undertones of the conversation was the woman is the problem or the girl is the problem or the female is the problem. And not just, hey, man, you've got a lot of hormones raging through your body. And here's a good, healthy way to deal with those uh, and taking us down that path. It was always, you know, resist, 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 resist. And, you know, it's, it, it, it's just like doing a workout. Like you can only lift the weight so long until you become weak. And yeah. you, need to, you need to stop lifting that weight, you know. You need to set it down and do something else. And it just continued to feel like the, the pressure of, you know, you can't, you can't, you can't. Whether it was just in a sexual nature of, looking at a woman it was you can't go to this restaurant you can't go to the movies you can't play that sport you can't do this and you can't those things filtered into you got to be pure 
And at the, the tip of that, that, that spear of got to be pure is, boy, you, can, you, you can't look at a woman, <laughs> you know, you, you certainly can't sit on the same pew uh, uh, as them at, at church. Uh, they have to sit on one side of the church, the yep. other, and yes. you, know, well, I you, totally you can't forgot be too that. close. You can't I be too totally close. I totally forgot you know? that, we, that they had the guys and girls separated. Um, and I, oh man, that takes me, that takes me back. Yeah. So the guys and girls were separated, like in different sections of the sanctuary. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that was the same with you as well. Like you yeah, all were absolutely. not intermingled. Like, okay. No, I, I, at a portion of time when, when you get to be sort of that uh, 17, 18, 19 year old uh, kind of age. And then of course, older, uh, the, the, the church, the ALJC church, they, the leadership stopped really being so hardcore about, uh, okay, well, man, you can't, you can't sit with your, your boyfriend or your girlfriend or whatever. It was primarily young, younger ages than that. And it, it was sort of on an individual basis. Like if they trusted me because I didn't really do a lot of bad things, they wouldn't have gotten on to me for sitting next to my girlfriend. And they usually didn't when I did. Um, but then at times when I had been promiscuous and got around with someone, because that happens, of course, you're, you're a teenage boy, you, you stumble and fall. Like I said, you can only hold that weight so long. And once I, I got caught, of course, I had to sit with the guys. I couldn't sit with my girlfriend. I certainly couldn't participate in the choir or breathe air in the sanctuary. <laughs> you know, those types of things. My tie had to be a little tighter on Sunday. It just kind of, it's kind of how it felt when, when you would mess up uh, or when you would get caught having messed up or sinned, if it, as it were. And did you feel like that shame came directly from the church and from leadership, or was that something you felt personally outside of the, what the leadership was reacting to? Um, I, I think, well, I, I certainly felt it from the leadership, but, you know, um, it seems like in, in most of the churches that I've been a part of, um, the, the leadership ha have, has this knack to, to really make you sort of than, than, than they judge you and it's just a condition that they they wear into you over time right like they make you end up hating yourself while they don't hate you they 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 truly know that it's human you messed up but they have you know spoke about this topic so often in um with, with such ferocity that when when you do mess up you you just think well there's there's no hope god has you know he gives us grace and mercy but boy because i touched a woman's boob I'd, I'd get none of that <laughs> you know and yeah. because they they push this on you so much that you just have this own mind your own mindset going on i just i'm unredeemable at this point the topic is not really talked about with grace and mercy it's talked about with not judgment and you know condemnation yeah. so you mentioned that you sang in the choir um what other ministries were you a, were you a part of during your time in these organizations well, um, in, in my younger years, primarily it was the the choir, but the the church that I grew up in, um, the ALJC church, also had like a, a television ministry where they would record their services and then they would broadcast them on television, and uh, like the following week. So I was a part of that group, um, you know, doing some pr production for them, some camera work uh, at times. Um, that was kind of a, a neat experience. And same rules applied. If you were a part of any ministry, you followed the same code of conduct or the rules, right? So if you were behind a camera or behind the computer producing, or you were in the choir on Sunday wearing a robe, you had to go by the, you know, by the same rules because, you know, you you couldn't get away from it because God can see you in the control booth or see you on the 
on the platform on Sunday in the, in the choir robes. And then later in life, I um, became a youth pastor for a, a period of time. So I was part of that ministry. And that was very interesting. That's where I, I sort of saw where the sausage was made or how the sausage was made, if you will. And it was, that, that's probably where I saw the, the darkest days of my life, especially in and around church. Being a part of that um, was, was hands down the worst experience for me. Can you tell me more about it? Yeah, the, 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 the last church I went to, um, last Pentecostal church I went to was a UDC church and I had gone there for some period of time. And over time, uh, you know, if, if leadership sees that you wanna be involved, sometimes they, they look at you and go, okay, how can I use this man or this woman in, in, in such a way uh, in ministry or otherwise as a tool and so they can sort of control what you do so then control another group of people or that, such as the youth group and while i was sort of growing into the role of being a, a youth leader i uh when i was the, the guy i was directly um, reporting to was a, a great guy and really didn't have any, any issues with him but um sort of from the top down from the the head pastor of the church on down uh, being behind closed doors for meetings and hearing sort of and, and even being the being whipped on in a sense verbally by the, the pastor of the church was a different experience um i didn't know that that would be a thing like when you're sitting in the, uh, the corporate church service you might hear the preacher talk about not sleeping around because if you do, you're a whore and all these kinds of things. And because pejoratives are were thrown around all the time in church by, by ministers, you know, uh, nowadays, socially, you, you get in trouble if you use the word whore talking about somebody because that's not appropriate. Right. But in church, you'll hear it all the time. So in these closed doors, meet, closed door meetings, um, the lead pastor, you, you don't, you don't hear from God, you uh, you had no word for the youth, for the church, for anybody, uh, and then uh, just tearing you down completely. But when you're about to walk out the door, they say, hey, you know, I love you, right? You know, and as you you leave the, the office, everything that's said in the office stays in the office. And you got to be a united front out, out in front of everybody else. It, it was very, very difficult to, to balance that because I'd never seen it before. I'd never seen it at that severe, uh, that severe, you know, um, right. I, I was not prepared to deal, to deal with that. And they have such a skewed version of love. Um, but we all bought into it that these people did genuinely love us. And so it made us think that this is what love is. You, you accept, you know, somebody speaking to you in a way that it's completely inappropriate, but when they end it with, but I love you and I'm rooting for you and we're on the same team, you believe it. Yeah, yeah, you, you know, if, if you have a, a healthy home life, which thank goodness I did, uh, that was one of the ways that I knew that what I was experiencing, experiencing behind closed doors was not healthy and not right mm -hmm. and not godly because my parents would have never treated me like that. Like they, they uh, just needed to, but my mom and dad didn't whip me just for the sake of whipping me because they were upset at me. My parents did not respond like that, but when I was behind the, the, closed door meetings at, uh, at the church, they sure felt like that because, you know, I was having children respond to the way I taught the youth group and 
some of the leaders didn't like it. Uh, and some of the ideas that I had were a bit too progressive for them and they didn't like it. Um, what sort of ideas? Just, well, um, we had the, these, um, try, we tried to have these youth revivals every year and to sort of build off that, to help the youth grow by, and then by way of helping youth grow, hopefully growing the entire church. Um, we had some, some outreach ideas, um, some ideas to raise funds to advertise in our youth, especially the, the um, revivals that we were going to have at the movie theaters. And because it would, you know, you could pay a few thousand dollars and get a, you know, a, a few minutes of, of airtime on the, uh, the previews, sort of the, the ads before the previews of the movie. And I was told things like, you know, hey, do, are those the type of people that we want to win? And uh, to which I answered, I, I thought we were supposed to win the loss. Like, it, aren't all sinners in need of salvation? So, you know, these people go into the movies, if we deem them as sinners because they go to the movie, in that kind of the pool, we want to dip our toes in to try to win. And um, so that was, that was thrown back in my face. I had some, some other ideas, that, uh, things that we wanted to do. And, the, uh, and I say we because it was me and the, the team that I had working with me. And the, the lead pastor just shot all the ideas down, um, said they were they were worthless, they would cost too much money. And and all, the only thing that was in there was the, the ads for the, the, the spots in the movies. Outside of that, it was all the cost was going to be covered by our team. And it was it was minor cost. It wasn't wasn't crazy. But all of it was torn down and um, and we were ridiculed for coming up with the ideas. Um, and because I was the, the leader, it, like all of the shit rained down on me. And then, you know, I had to sort of bring it back to my team and say, hey, all of it was shot down. Let's let's try to uh, adjust and then make make new ideas. And what, what's ironic about it is after I ended up leaving that position uh, and ultimately leaving the church, a lot of those ideas ended up being rolled out the pastor, the one that we gave all the information to. So um, evidently they weren't terrible ideas. They just weren't his ideas. So he didn't, mm. wasn't very fond of them. That's really interesting. It's like, I don't like it, but now that you're gone, I can say that it was my idea. <laughs> right, right. I think that's, that's, that happens a lot. I mean, you'll, you'll hear, I mean, the Bible is only so large and there's so many, so many topics in the Bible, but uh, you'll hear sermons by many ministers across the the organization or even outside the organization that are very, very similar, same topics, even same titles, you know, so you'll, you'll hear ministers stealing from other ministers or whatever. And, and it just, it, it, it's how it happens. Uh, unfortunately, it doesn't start with stealing, you know, money through tithes and offerings, which is a whole other topic, but it's right. stealing your identity through, um, you have to be pure and you have to be pure to God, but because I'm the mouthpiece of God, you're almost having to be pure to me as well. It's, it's just, it's a horrible way to, to a, a strong group of people that can be independent minded, but also be godly minded, in my opinion, because you're, you're, you're living vicariously through this man or, or that's the leader of the, the church because they're God with skin on. Right. And if you sin, you're sinning against them and, and, and God. So it's, it's, uh, it was horrible. <laughs> it was just yeah. horrible. And I think you're right with um, being God with skin on. Um, 
because it 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 felt like any time a leader you know was upset with me, they like took it super personal. I'm like, I did nothing to you, but they were so appalled and you know they took what I was doing so personal. I'm like, okay, I didn't realize it was that serious that you feel like this isn't ought against you personally. Yeah, yeah, it, exactly. And I know most of the ministers in the, the UPC that I dealt with um, were were very money hungry, money focused, and so they were also focused on the individuals or the type of individuals that came to their church. So in that um, that story I told you about wanting to get ads in the movies and being told, are these the type of people that we want to reach? And the, the end result of that was that the, the leader of the church, the pastor, the, wanted to have doctors, lawyers, people of, of higher earnings, which I don't know if he just didn't understand that they, those people went to movies as well, but Right, yeah, like, just, have you that, seen a movie <laughs> stub ticket? It's not. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. Uh, you know, we, 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 I experienced variations of this um, throughout my time in, in leadership there at that church, and um, it just it just soured me completely to uh, leadership and and especially leadership within church because you once you, once you see it in a corporate setting, like you would you would feel that people to your point a moment ago where these people are saying i love you believe in you we're on the same team you want to believe that and when you see in the corporate world where people will say hey you're not doing this part of your job or you're doing great at this part of your job and you leave with a better feeling after talking to your boss or your boss's boss or your boss's boss's boss than you did the pastor of the church it's pretty eye-opening yeah and when it comes to the the leadership and working directly with them they they teach you or let they led me in, in, a, in a way that was similar to how they did corporately with the church but it was hands-on where they they instilled uh fear faith fidelity facts function fun and freedom were all down at the bottom of the list so you had to you had to go all of these hard tight oh once you have all of those boxes checked ah, then, then that's kind of fun right you know and, and there's freedom in that. And some people strive in that uh, and some they don't. And, and I, well, I didn't. Right. Did, when you were a youth pastor, did you have to have these talks with your youth group that were taught to you when you were growing up about purity and sexuality and things like that? Yeah, I did. And at the, at the towards the end there, the, the leader of the UPC church, pulled me into a meeting and this was one of the meetings that i didn't get it was i guess it was kind of positive but at the end of the meeting he said teaching all of the standards to the youth especially to be sexually pure because we have uh in the youth group was was uh, for for, uh, the size church that we had you know it was from ages 12 to 18 we had 60 or 70 kids which is pretty good size and not all of them were there for functions all the time but you know it, it was a pretty good pretty good size but so they wanted me to teach all of these core <clears throat> beliefs that to me weren't dogma that or it was just ancillary dogma where to me it was baptism repentance of sin and filling of the holy spirit the other things that they wanted me to teach more individual like more more um, intimate and I, I i didn't feel comfortable telling a 12 or 13 year old whether it was individually or in in front of a group of people to to keep your look at you know so and so or don't 
you know, think lustily about this because I didn't feel like that was my spot. Because if if I was a, a youth leader, I felt like these kids probably school. I know they had it tough at church because I hear the same sermons they hear. Um, who knows what kind of home life they had, uh, and it, it it might not have been healthy or uh, or fun. And they were coming to these youth events for fun, you know, to get away and be with their friends. And the last thing they needed for me was to be whipping them like all these other individuals were. But the leadership of the church told me I had to do this. Didn't do this, I wouldn't my job as a, as a youth pastor. And it, it was very uncomfortable. Developed a, a way to, to cover the topics, but um, less uh, me telling you what to do than me telling you to follow what your parents teach you. Because at the end of the day, it, I didn't want to try to circumvent something that the parents taught the children, especially parents that went to the church and that were a part of everything that we did. I didn't want to tell a kid that they couldn't date if their parent was okay with them dating. I didn't want to tell them that they could date if their parent was against them dating. I didn't want to tell them that they couldn't cut their hair if their parents wanted them to cut their hair and so on. And I certainly didn't want to what to do with their body because it, I had I had no ownership over that. A parent would have a responsibility or, or I hate to use the term ownership over their child's body, but I, I think everyone will understand what I mean myself in that position but the leadership of the church wanted me to be in that position and it just it was not something i was comfortable doing so i i was able to develop doing it and once they found out that it did not go over well i assume that was one of the meetings that did not end well yeah yeah it did not end well yeah it did not end well and um during that that portion of time as well i i felt um, God pulling me away from the strict dogma of, of what they taught anyway. Um, I had already started my, my movement away from being super uh, rigid about my you know, judging everybody for everything. And I became much more of a, a grace-minded person because if, as a kid, when I messed up, if someone would have put their arm around me and said, hey man, you're just being a human. You're doing stuff that we've all felt, we've all dealt with. It's okay, just take a deep breath. And then the next step is in the right direction. Because what they wanted me to teach the, the youth was, if you stumble, you have fallen. And the, the, the only way to get back up is to scream at an altar until you, you're sweaty and you know crying and everything. And realistically, it wasn't, I didn't feel like it was that way. So I'd started this migration out of sort of that mindset as well. And, and I, was, uh, I was married, uh, uh, married to a lady at the time uh, helping me and she did not want to change her dogma at all that was kind of a, a a hard thing to deal with as well as all of this me by leadership it was it was a lot to deal with mm -hmm.